0: Alright, I'm putting I'm putting this plate down here. Mira, if you go over there, I swear to God, I will No, no. Okay. Yeah, this episode's gonna start with me yelling at my dog. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> realizing
0: I I should have taken better notes about recapping the episode because I need to be while I had to do that. Did I so I watched half of this episode with my three year old and um, she didn't understand why I kept pausing the episode and making <laughs> notes, and she also didn't understand what was happening on the screen, so she was asking, like, why Jack was crying, why everybody was mad. She said she didn't like the show, she said, Daddy, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm taking notes. She's like, what are notes? It was, it was such a process, like, the whole thing. <laughs> she just wants to know everything. And I'm like, Daddy is trying to write down words of what they're saying so that later Daddy can talk to Uncle Derek about what they're saying. From from why from what I wrote down,
1: <laughs> I will say I I'm trying to do less notes while watching and trying to do it more afterward. Yeah, um, so you can like more like absorb the episode. Well, because like I otherwise like I I find myself with like every little like detail. I'm like, that's funny, and then I'm telling myself like, but it's probably not good material for a podcast. <laughs> uh, case in point, I wrote down. Of course the pregnant teen is into astrology um, <laughs>
0: But uh... You ready? Yeah Well if you don't quite have what it takes So then you're gonna be lost On this island And die, die all alone Gotta learn to Live together like a Rabbit's in the Watership town I guess Gotta learn to alone. Gotta learn to live to Stop. Stop it. Hmm? Stop it. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Welcome to the podcast, brother. So this episode of Lost Season 1, this is the fifth episode of the first season. Uh, it first aired on October 20th, 2004 on ABC. It is a Jack-centric episode and it seems that we have differing opinions on the quality of this episode.
1: This is true. I <laughs> felt it was a little middling. I believe I said I, I would give it a C plus, and even then I feel like I'm almost checking myself trying to back off how harshly I felt about this. <laughs> I'll go first, because it sounded like I feel like usually it's the... Well, no. Do you, do you, should, I, should I go first? Or do you want to go first? Uh, I thought this overall, was a great yeah. episode.
0: I loved it. I really loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought I was going like, well, you go you go first because all I right. I didn't expect to like this episode as much as I did and I I don't remember if I liked it this much when I first saw it. So, uh, yeah, you you get yeah, you go. You go. All right.
1: All right. I think my major gripe with this episode is the flashbacks. I recognize and it is difficult to watch this knowing the information of the whole series. But so many of Jack's flashbacks, and it felt like it flashed back a lot, is just this pseudo detective story of where's Jack's dad? <laughs> and it doesn't really develop Jack's character at all. Oh, and
0: I, I, so, I so disagree.
1: <laughs> and I thought that all of the detective stuff was very like, it's it was weird to me that they felt the need to show us Jack's dad's room just slathered in pills and empty bottles. <laughs> and I'm like, I get it, he's dead. Like <laughs> he's upset and he's dead. And it just, it seemed like they're like, well, where is he? It's like, sir, I don't think anyone would have rented a car out to him. It's like, yeah, no shit. I, <laughs> I got it. I got all the, all the clues that you gave me. And so I didn't feel like it developed Jack's character personally. And then it felt similar to Kate's in that it's like, oh, this is just how she got to Australia or why she was in Australia. Mm. And I will say, it may be a personal flaw of my own, but I always struggle with characters who clearly do not have a good relationship with someone, but then they cry when that person dies. <laughs> um, I... I don't remember the last thing. I guess maybe a little bit of, like, Thanos and Gamora is, is one where G- Gamora cried over her dad, Thanos. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I thought you, you hated him.
0: It's complicated. It's com- Family is very complicated.
1: I suppose. I just, you know, and it, it is, I'm sure this is something we'll get to when we see what Kate did. But, it's, you know, I'm in the same boat of, like, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not out to kill anyone. But when kate kills her dad i'm kind of like yeah all right uh, and it seems like maybe that's a personal flaw that maybe it's like my gut reaction should be like how could she do that um but it it uh it, it at least going into this i anyway point is i i didn't like the flashbacks i also and this is going to be weird and maybe it's something we can talk about more later I thought the cinematography
0: in this episode was really cool, and actually, I
1: thought like the the water Jack swimming in the water. The, the I have a note was-
0: about that. That was fantastically shot, really well done, and the um, and him going over the hill when he's like rolling in the in the down the hill in the jungle, and he goes over the cliff. More so the rolling down the hill than the actual cliff part, but uh, that was very well shot. It was I was like, oh my god, the whatever stuntman that is is putting themselves through hell to get that shot.
1: <laughs> but. That's what I will say is that I I thought and I I really like this is the only time literally in my life. I'm not trying to be a a snob here, but I genuinely feel that there is a huge disconnect between the cinematography of this episode and the editing. Uh, Mm. Because there is a lot of stuff that it was so bad that I noticed it is kind of like specifically. And I'm sure that this is probably every editor's nightmare. But when Kate and Claire are folding laundry ish. And uh, there is just not a consistent shot between the two.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of those things where, like, I wish that I was not as dialed in to little stuff like that as I am. Like, I wish I could just watch something and, like, even when they do, like, shot-reverse-shot, when, like, somebody's talking and they're like, like their head's tilted in a certain way or their mouth is in a certain way, and you do the over-the-shoulder shot to the other character and they're clearly not saying the line that they just said, and it's just, like... I shouldn't notice those things. And because we're such nerds about this stuff, like I always do. And I'm just like, ah, ah, ah is that what the, is that the best shot you had really? God damn it. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a very petty gripe. Um, yeah. but I, I do, I do feel it.
1: I will say though, I did really love the, um, cause this reminded me of mom, but when, uh, uh Jack is in the caves and he hears the, the, the ice inside of the the cup oh, while yeah. on the island, I thought like stuff like that too was super interesting. That reminds me again. I know we've talked about this, but like there's my our mom had that purple robe with the buttons. Yep. That I just like it
0: I don't even know how to describe that sound. It was like, like a clatter. It was like a it was like a yeah. Kind of like a clatter, like a jingling of, of the buttons on that on that rope. I I I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And it, it reminds me of like those wooden toys where you know the ones where you pick it up and you tilt it and then one of the woods falls out and it clack, 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 clack all the way down. Mm -hmm. It's like that, but with like little plastic buttons, like it's like that sound of like the, yeah. Or it's like the smoke monster, no, but... um, (laughs) Speaking of which, okay, well, there's a lot we can talk about with the smoke monster, but... Oh, I'm sorry, that was the other thing too, is when you mentioned the tumbling. I thought the tumbling was great, but it felt like the editor sent them through three different biomes um, (laughs) before he falls off the side of the clip, And I'm like, what, like it it takes me out of it. So I, I really struggled with that and then um just as far as island stuff i think part of it is that they want us to not realize the island is supernatural because they give the excuse right up front being like oh jack when was the last time you slept in hindsight it feels like a bait and switch and it, we're trying to watch it unclouded i i felt uh, like it was a cop out i don't know i i i felt c plus Um, but Pierce, what were your thoughts? I
0: thought it was fantastic. I have, I have in my notes that when, and when Jack at the end gives that speech, the famous speech about, we don't work together, we'll, we'll die alone. I wrote down, this is the Jack I remember. I'm curious if the plan was always to get Jack to this place where he accepted his leadership or if they were looking at the scripts for the first few episodes and being like, this Jack guy is kind of a dick to everyone. (laughs) Can we make him a little bit more charismatic? Can we make him more of a leader? Or if it just happened organically? I agree with you that there were a lot of flashbacks and it was a lot of now Jack is here. Now Jack is here. Now Jack is here. Now Jack is here. But what sells it for me is Matthew Fox's acting in this is terrific. He is so good. There's a lot of big eyes Jack, but not so much the crazy eyes Jack. Like we actually see Jack, we see him tired. We see him beaten down. We see him, you know, working through this tense emotional conflict of his. And I feel that, and I don't want to try to delve too much into the the psyche of of the actor here because I don't know the answer to this question. But I get a sense that this script, like all of this stuff going on with Christian Shepard, really helped Fox to. Focus on this character and like who he is like you get a much better sense of Jack as a person from just the little glimpses we get of his backstory that makes him more relatable than in those first few episodes where he's just doctor guy who's pissed at being on this island and pissed at having to talk to people. It's more this guy's dealing with something that's completely separate from everything that's going on on this island. That scene in the airport where he's just breaking down and asking this, this woman, just let me finish this. Let me, let me just take my dad home and bury him. I want this to be over. You realize retroactively that part of Jack's distance from people in these first few episodes is he can't finish it. He can't put his father to rest his father is still out there somewhere so he still has all of this unresolved emotion it's it's great it's great yeah i want to i want to go i want to go beat by beat with this one because there's a lot of stuff that happens throughout so unless you have anything else that you want to get to um i say we 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 go we go through the plot we can break it down that way i right, i do want to echo
1: that i am still in awe that Matthew Fox is so good. Um, oh. I I don't know why I don't remember it, but like, yeah, he every scene he sells it. And actually, sorry, I will I will say this because uh, maybe I am being unnecessarily harsh because you're you're convincing me. Um, <laughs> Trevor, and there are things. There's just something specifically at the end here that I'll talk about. I will say that this is that idea that like, yeah, maybe they read the first few scripts and were like, this Jack guy's not good. <laughs> uh, and, this is, this uh, is our hero? Well, it is something that I, I liked, and uh, I'll echo this sentiment later when we get to Locke. But something that this episode does, I think even better than the others so far, is really treating the character-centric episode as their point of view. Mm-hmm. I get the impression, and I know this is getting into the water of the, later seasons down the road. But I do get the impression that sometimes the character-centric episodes were almost like contractually obligated. Mm. Like, oh, you know, Saeed hasn't had a story in a while. You know, what? that's a bad example. But um, <laughs> this one, you do see, even on the island, vulnerability and humanity to Jack that up until this point hadn't been there. Mm-hmm. And the other reason I bring that up is because certainly in Locke's episode, we saw how he was uncertain and doubting himself. Whereas in this episode, very clearly from Jack's point of view, Locke comes across as a very confident guy, Mm -hmm. a very different guy from the one we saw in the previous episode. Then it made me retroactively think about Kate's episode. I'm like, was that true, too? And I do think I think it was where, again, just in terms of like this one feeling more they have an idea of how the structure will go. And again, like you said, Jack is much more relatable in this episode Mm -hmm. than in any other one. And I'm curious now if the next episode, he'll appear as though he's this, you know, get out of my face, you know, like uh, (laughs) and to more illustrate that, it's like, oh, this is this character's perspective. Like, I'm curious to see a Boone and Shannon episode When we get to one of their centric episodes, if we see that, like, they see everyone else as badgering them and condescending, you know, like, but yeah, I I think that that was really cool. It is. It's, It's
0: cool to see the show finding itself, which is every show does this in the first season where it's both actors finding what works for them with the character. It's writers deciding who they write best for. Uh, I know on Mad Men, they actually had specific writers who would write for specific characters. I don't know if it's that dialed down for Lost, but you do definitely see, and Star Trek did this too, where a lot of people will tell you, I know we've talked about this, that you don't start with the the first season of The Next Generation. You start with the second season because that first season is much slower. It's more like the original series and by the second season, they've really found their feet, and that's when the stories get a lot more—not fast-paced, but more dramatic, more interesting. We see in this in this episode, we're five episodes in now, and the wheels are are move, are moving. You can see like the the things starting to gel. I know, like with last episode, we saw the first stirrings of the Hurley Charlie relationship. We saw Locke coming into his own. We saw Sawyer becoming a punching bag for people and an antagonist. And now you've got us putting up the foundations of who Jack is, like what makes him tick. He's not just the hero doctor guy. He's the hero doctor guy with serious daddy issues. (laughs) It's, it's, it's great to see. And I do, I do hear, I do hear the things that you're saying about it, your criticisms of it. But I think that the, the character beats in this are so strong that they overcome it. All right, well, let's get into it. We start off with young Jack on the ground, uh, while another boy is not totally believably being punched in the stomach. The uh, the boy <laughs> who is uh, who is uh, credited as Meathead says, "You should have stayed down, Jack." Jack gets up and goes to uh, to help help his friend who's being beaten up, which feels a little bit like some character retroactive continuity. We cut the Jack uh, spacing out on the beach. Charlie comes running to him, says that there's somebody drowning out in the water. And I asterisk this, Charlie says he doesn't swim. So we know that about Charlie now. We know he does not swim.
1: Or is he a coward?
0: <laughs> well, if Charlie's a coward, then everybody's a coward, as we will see by the end of this scene. So Jack immediately runs to help. Doesn't even think about it. Strips off his shirt to get to that glorious hairy chest. All the water shots here look great. There's a great sense of movement and isolation. Like when he's like just looking around and he looked, he looks like he's in the middle of nowhere. Like I got, I got chills. I was just my, I had heart palpitations. I hate, I hate the water. That's just, it's about a terrible swimmer. Uh, I was watching that and just thinking, no, not for all the money in the world could you get me out there. I remember once, I think at a dog beach, you got too far out into the water. And I went out with jeans on to try to swim out there and get you. And the whole time I'm watching Jack uh, swimming, I'm just thinking, oh, no, it's, you just got to get to your underpants. That's, that's just going to slow you down. But, um, but Jack's, Jack's, Jack's hardy. Uh, he, he can do it. Uh, he, he loses sight of the woman who is drowning, but he does save Boone. Boone announces there's someone else in the water. And we see this horrific shot of this woman out there calling for help, screaming for help. And Jack helplessly watching her and choosing to save Boone. Uh, though he does immediately go back out to get her and no one else does. There are 40 people on this beach and they're all just watching Jack. I guess he's going to go save that lady. Uh, <laughs> It's a beautiful shot of uh, of them pulling back and everybody on the beach and Jack going out into that into that green water. But nobody else! Nobody else goes out there. Like So no one has any right to complain about Jack not saving this woman. You know, I, for some reason, did not think about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, not a single person. Not even, like, although, no one is even, like, in the water. Like, their feet in the water being like, go, Jack! It's like, no, nope, they're all just on the beach. Although, to be fair... Cause I did feel this in the same way that
1: you were just describing him in in the water, that sense of like in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, good Lord, how do you get back from this? Him even swimming back with Boone. I'm like, how, how? Yeah. Yeah, So I, I I do what, although yeah, it's like get two people to jump in and like, you know, like, yeah, man. Oh God, that sucks. Anyway.
0: Uh, later on, Jack says that there are 47 of us because Joanna uh, – or Joanna, the woman, uh, died, which follows from the previous episode when Jack says there's 48 people. But then in like two scenes later, he says now there's 46 of them. So I'm curious who the 47th one – it's It doesn't really matter, but at first I was like, oh, that's a nice continuity because he told the pilot there was 48 survivors. And then in the scene after we come back from credits where Jack says there's 47. And then I think when they're asking him about the water, that's when he says now we're 46. So I'm trying to remember who we lost between Jack telling the pilot that – and I know it doesn't the, matter, but it's something – The marshal. The marshal. You're absolutely right. There you go. You are on top of it. So that's good. That's good continuity. Uh, he also says we've been here for six days. And then when he's talking to Kate, he gets upset that he never said a word to her, which, again, feels like some character retconning. Jack of the first four episodes doesn't seem like he give a shit. He's like, why, why would I? Why do I talk to her? I don't need to talk to anybody. And then he sees his dad in the water. Uh, meanwhile, Walt's brushing his teeth like son taught him. Michael can't tell his son why ocean water will make him thirsty. Um, this... Seems like something that I get that he's frustrated and he's not a good dad uh, or he's not he's not he's not familiar with being a dad yet. But come on, Michael, you know why you can't drink ocean water. It's it's salty. Just say it's salty. That's. Yeah,
1: I, uh, I, I hated I, that. I wrote in there, dad of the year, as always. Um, <laughs> oh I, I just like I cannot believe I am so I'm so. Curious if anything will redeem this character, but
0: yeah, he gives the dog water at the end of the episode. That you know, that's a good, that's a partial redemption. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it. it, I was just like, come on, (laughs)
1: and it's like they're softballs, you know. It's like, hey,
0: yeah, here's a chance to be it, and nope, nope, nope. To be fair to Michael, he's been a dad for two weeks and six days, I guess. So it's tough. It's tough. So Sun tells Jin she doesn't think anyone is coming. Uh, she wants to communicate with people, or wants to try to communicate with people. Jin says he'll tell her what to do. I know we don't, we haven't really talked about Jin and Sun too much so far because they've really been on the periphery of these first episodes of just being unpleasant husband, timid wife. And I'm glad that when we get to their episode, that that gets flipped on its head. But up until, up through this point. It's just like, oh, man, this guy sucks. Michael and Jin, both great uh, great domestic patriarchal figures that we have here. We cut to uh, Shannon asking Sawyer for some sand flea spray. Uh, He calls her sticks. She thinks he's calling her light sticks. He says there's a comma in there. I I don't know why I enjoyed that as much as I did, but I did. He's reading Watership Down, which I think, uh, I don't know, can you tell me, is there some special literary... Reference in there. I know it's about rabbits. I know it's a it's a very intense book about rabbits.
1: No, and I, I still haven't read it. I know you have, and uh, Melissa has. Uh, I have not. I, you know, uh, I I've read the Velveteen Rabbit. I want to say I read a thing years ago that they were unaware there would be a book club following to the show that they were just like throwing books <laughs> yeah. at uh, Josh Holloway. But I, the only. Symbolism I can think of is that obviously the episode is called White Rabbit, so yeah uh, we got.
0: Okay, okay, I'll take it. So we've already got Sawyer bartering with survivors for stuff. Shannon throws the the spray back in his face. He seems very pleased with himself. Was that what
1: like because they did it at least enough so that it was vague, but w- was he implying that she should, you know, offer something, sexually? S-
0: so yeah, at first it seems like he's he's saying that, but it does I don't get you don't get the sense that he's being serious about it. He's just being like, you know, if you want to, all right, let's do it. But like I'm not gonna, you know, whatever. And then I couldn't quite get he was saying so he says money doesn't matter, and then he asks her for money, and he says, You can write me an IOU. I know you're good for it. And so it was him alluding to, yeah, you can pay me in sexual favors, but it didn't I don't know. It Maybe I'm, maybe I'm too soft on Sawyer here, but he seemed too playful about it to be serious. So I don't, I don't know.
1: I agree. Like, that's the thing. I, I didn't feel gross about it. And I got the impression more that just Shannon is, is upset that she can be bought or something, you know, like, or <laughs> like, uh, you know, because I think even then, like, if, if she's paying him, then it's almost like a reversal of like what you would stereotypically assume prostitution would be. Like, like, it's like, you can pay me for my services, and it's like, I'm not going to do that. I you know, I don't know. I, I I, didn't get the impression it was, but Shannon's reaction made it seem like that was her interpretation. So yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, I was
0: just curious. We cut to Kate and Claire uh, sorting through some luggage. Claire can't find a hairbrush. Kate sorting clothes, and Claire asks if Kate's a Gemini. And it turns out she is. Derek, as a a fellow Gemini, do you think that her description is accurate? I
1: honestly don't remember what she
0: said. (laughs) She said something about Kate being, I think, restless and never wanting to stay in one place. And uh, I forget the other thing she said because I think I was laughing so hard.
1: I mean, that's probably fair. I just, yeah. (laughs) It's just, of course. Although, I will say, this is like the second time that we've seen Kate in a weird light of like, Cause she's like, yeah, how'd you know? And I'm like, are you, are you gay? Cause she did that with Drive Shaft. she's like, oh, I love you guys. You know, it's like, you, when? <laughs> like, when was this your jam?
0: I, I, she, I, I think it was more, Kate was very much playing along with her. Cause she gives her this like eye roll. And then Claire's so jazzed about talking about doing her chart. that Kate's just like, okay, you know, I'll give, I'll give this lady something, you know, we've got nothing else to talk about. I did find out I really enjoyed Claire saying Gemini. I, uh, I just I really, that's not the only pronunciation that I absolutely love in this episode. There's another one coming up that uh, that has stuck with me forever. Jack uh, hasn't slept in, in God knows how long. Uh, he's talking to Charlie and Hurley about they don't have enough water and the boar meat is running low. Jack says he's not deciding anything and scares both of them. We flash back to Jack in his dad's office, and oh my god, this flashback. So my impression of Jack's dad is clearly colored by the later seasons, Jack's dad, not the absolute monster that he is presented as in this. This scene is Did you said the dog? That was the dog. So for for the for the listeners at home, uh, I have my dog in the garage here with me, and she is trying to eat a, a plate of fish uh, that is that is in front of me. And that is when she decided to announce herself. Uh, Mira, you cannot have the fish. So this is the first appearance of John Terry as Christian Shepherd. And his whole speech to Jack is, wild. I've written down, I, I, I started writing down just as many of his quotes as I could. Cause I'm like, if you said all of these things to a child as young as Jack in succession, you're lucky he didn't grow up to be a maniac. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to go through this. And I just want to, I just want to talk about this. So Christian finds that his son has gotten into a fight and that his son tried to intervene in a fight that, that wasn't about him. It was about somebody else. And that Jack didn't save the kid and just got, you know, like a black eye, out of it. His response to this is to tell him I had a kid on my table that was younger than you and he died. But that doesn't bother me because I can go home, I can eat my dinner, I can laugh at my at Carol Burnett. And on the one hand it's like okay, yes, surgeons do do this. They have to do this. They have to have that separation. I get that. Like that is that is a good thing. You actually want to have a somewhat sociopathic surgeon. There's a whole article about this. I'm not going to get into it. But then what he says is the reason he can do this is because he has what it takes. He tells Jack, "Don't choose, don't decide. You don't want to be a hero. Don't try to save everyone because when you fail, you just don't have what it takes." And I I'm trying to figure out like is 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 he being is he being nicer to Jack than, than, than what it appears to be? Is this actually, am I not getting the sweetness here? Like, is he saying, is he saying you, generally you, anybody doesn't have what it takes to take on all of that responsibility? Or is he saying, Jack, you suck. I have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. So don't try. Like, what is he What is he saying here? Yeah, so first of all, I just want to point
1: out too that he buries the lead. Because I, <laughs> I, 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 I did, I did, remember hearing this and uh, and I just pulled up the quote because it's important that this is this is known because of how yeah. this guy delivers it he says i had a boy on my table today i don't know maybe a year younger than you he had a bad heart it got real hairy real fast and everybody's looking at your old man to make decisions and i was able to make those decisions because at the end of the day after the boy died i was able to, and then he goes it's like what what <laughs> which like So nonchalantly does he just pass through and say, like, yeah, he died. That's like, well, that's not the first time you told your son something like this. (laughs) Uh, I'm 100% in agreement that Jack's dad is a monster. (laughs) Um, And yet, I think I agree with the sentiment. (laughs) My interpretation of this is he's saying that, and maybe I'm way off, but my interpretation is... He's saying it takes a stronger person to fail and bounce back. Mm. And he's saying that Jack is not strong enough. Jack has to be perfect not because Daddy's telling him you need to do better, you need to be perfect. Mm. But because he's like, "Hey,
0: if you can't be perfect, you're going to fall apart." I th- so yes, I think I think you're right. I think that that's sort of the secret message he, well, secret for somebody who's like me, who's dumb, who is just hearing this on a surface level, just be like, Jesus Christ. So I think you're right. I think that that is, that is what he's telling Jack. He's saying, unless you are a perfect godlike being, the emotional toll of that is too much for you to bear. But he's doing it in a way that's like he's laying a very, very heavy burden on a very young looking Jack in this scene. And you also have the, the, the not-so-subtle thing of him being in this beautiful office, but having a drink in his hand. And then we find out later on that drink is a demon that he never got away from. So how is he able to go home, eat dinner, watch Carol Burnett? Well, he has what it takes, but he also has a lot of booze to help him along. <laughs> so, you know, he's not so perfect either. I But yeah, it's—seeing that, like seeing this character— just lay this down on Jack and you're watching him like the, Jack's like pensive stare. We come back to him like every time, whether he's like staring at the beach or he's staring at the fire later. You're just looking at this, 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 this kid who has grown up into this man who is still this kid at the recess uh, yard and then coming home to his dad and being told that. I was just, oh man. Yeah, that was heavy. Uh, it was oh, so heavy. Okay, so we cut to uh, Boone yelling at Jack, telling Jack that he runs his own business and he can take care of himself. (laughs) He asks who appointed Jack as everybody's savior, and Jack is said does everything but tell him, I did not ask for this job, I do not want this job. We get to a point where Jack's chasing Christian through the jungle, and my question is, is Jack hallucinating his dad, is his dad really there, or is his dad the smoke monster?
1: my interpretation was it's the smoke monster. Yeah. Because I feel like every time he runs into, I mean the whole, like you just lean him away from the camp almost to kill him.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the, the him chasing after his dad and then almost falling over the cliff does feel like what we learn about the man in black later, where he can't, if I'm I think I'm remembering this correctly, where he can't directly like hurt any of them or kill any of them. But he can lead them astray and so this was you know and again i don't i don't think that they knew this when they were writing the first season but retroactively you could point to this and say like this is him trying to get rid of jack as one of the possible successors to jacob by freaking him out so much with this hallucination that he makes jack just run off a cliff
1: well and he's literally the de facto leader so as we see with jack gone Chaos. Yes. Takes out.
0: Yeah. But then we later on have Jack, you know, finding his father's coffin and finding water and finding himself, finding himself as a leader. So the question is, you know, is is this a good hallucination? Is it a bad hallucination? Is it is it? I don't. So yeah, I don't. Uh,
1: I and I, you know, and this is maybe giving it way too much credit. Well, it is because we know they were making it up as they went. But <laughs> I would view the moments without the dead as. Jacob-esque kind of moments, because mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely felt
0: like. And oh, and his dad's not in the coffin. That's, I mean, I think that's the the big thing too, is that like, so so where is Christian Shepherd?
1: I have a, I
0: have a question about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which a I like the convenience that a baseball bat was just right
0: next to it. But um, <laughs> was it a baseball? I thought it was like a a, a, a metal pole or a or a stick or something.
1: I, it looked like a bat to me, but I could be wrong. But it probably was I, a bat. I I was like, do you think the Jack's first thought is, Oh shoot, maybe my dad is alive or I can't bury him? Or do you think he's like, is this how I got on the plane? Is cause they took the body out so I could check the coffin?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just sitting in like a coat check room somewhere, just propped yeah. up. <laughs> Okay, um, we flash back to uh, Jack with his mom, who, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember us. I don't remember Jack's mom being in this show very much at all. I think this is maybe like the one and only time we see her. And if she hadn't said, if he hadn't said "mom," like in one of his lines, I would've. I wouldn't have known. I would be like, "Is this? You know, who is this supposed to be?" This was another one of those weird sequences too, because I thought
1: this was taking place like. In between from because this is I think, yeah, this is the first flashback between when we saw Jack as a little boy mm-hmm. and you know, Jack on island. And so because they give him that like hoodie thing, yeah, I, I, yeah, like, I was, how
0: like, old is Jack supposed to be? He, this man is like a very successful spinal surgeon. I don't think he's just going around wearing a hoodie. i that was, yeah, I agree. I thought the same thing. It was um, super weird, and it took place apparently like a week before the plane crash. So yeah, it's like yeah. well, well, but see, here's the thing though. Jack is in trouble for something. We do know that. So maybe he's fallen on hard times. Um, So his mom says Christian doesn't have friends anymore. We assume because he has become such an alcoholic that he's no longer a doctor. The mom says Jack doesn't understand pressure. So she's also a winner. She says Christian's gone and Jack has to get him. And then Jack's like, no, 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 not going to do this. And she says Jack can't say no to her because of something he did. She just alludes to something. Something bad, Jack did, but we don't get any more of it than that. So it's basically she's like, you can't say no to this. like you owe us this because you you did a you did a bad thing, and she says Christian is in Australia. So Jack did a bad. That's all we know. Jack did a bad, and i don't I actually don't remember what the bad was. I thought it was that he tells the
1: lawyers or whatever that his dad was drunk when he did the surgery, and
0: yeah. I bet that's what it was. Oh, I'm going to, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So Jack agrees to go cut back to the beach. Claire has collapsed. um, And we find out someone has stolen the water and Saeed, once again, proving himself a great leader says that keeping the water all in one place was foolish. And he is correct. We have Jack uh, hunting for his dad in the jungle delirious. We do another flashback to Australia. We find out that Christian is such a relentless drunk that no one would rent him a car uh, that he left his wallet, that his hotel room is full of pills and booze. Um, we cut back to Jack, and we get that great stunt of him tumbling through the jungle. I remember, like, as a kid, thinking that if you're a stunt person, you do the, the dangerous stunt, but it's still there's still movie magic there. And I have since learned in the intervening years that there are stunt people, both men and women, who... A lot of times, if you need to throw them down a uh, hill, they'll just do that. They'll just throw themselves down a hill. Like, that's the kind of high-wire, fast-times, burnout-instead-of-fade-away lives that stunt people live. And it's—my uh, hat's off to to the stunt person there. It it looks like it hurts. That that role looks—it looks serious. <laughs> he ends up hanging from a cliff. I've written down here, as we've already talked about, is this Smokey trying to kill Jack? Locke shows up at the exact right time to save him, and Jack starts laughing like a madman uh, when Locke gets him gets him onto onto uh, stable ground. We have Charlie and Claire bonding. It's cute. We see that Charlie has a living is easy with eyes closed tattoo. We have uh, Jin, uh telling Saeed and Kate that Sawyer gave them water. Saeed says a rat will always lead you to his hole. We get uh, Sawyer going into the jungle. Not very far into the jungle, it looks like, to get his stash. Uh, Kate tackles him. Sawyer's like, yeah, it's about time. Sawyer says he traded gin his last water for a fish. And then Sawyer tosses Kate the sheriff, or the marshal star. And I've written in big capital letters, Kate should have been island sheriff. That totally should have been her thing. I can't believe that that gets dropped. Like, that... I know Sawyer's joking, but, like, that... Would have been a great role for her, like her, the fugitive, becoming the person who's bringing justice to the island. I am so pissed off that that doesn't go any further. <laughs> I never thought of that. That's uh, a, uh,
1: uh, yeah, that's a really great point.
0: So mad. I'm that would so have been a great that.
1: yeah. Story. You know that would have been a great story even if they're going to do the Flash sideways. Instead, they make sorry
0: the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, what if what if Sawyer the criminal was 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 a cop? It's like, you know, what if Kate was a cop? What if you what if you do that? I, I will say, I really like
1: this Sawyer. This, I mean, this whole episode, I think he's great. But I really loved. He was so
0: adorable. So,
1: like <laughs> water has no value. I'm an optimist.
0: <laughs> I really it's, loved it. Yeah, and it's funny too that you're seeing Sawyer. He's. He's falling into this role of, like, everybody hates me, but everybody needs me. It's great that he just gets to sit back and read books and watch this drama happen around him. I'm I'm really looking forward to his episode. I love Josh Holloway. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I was always sad that, like, there wasn't—he didn't get to do more stuff after Lost. Like, he shows up—there's a Mission Impossible movie where he shows up in the first five minutes and then gets killed off. And wait, really? Yeah. Yeah, It's it's either three or four. And her being so excited to see him and be like, oh, what's he doing here? Oh, 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 he's not, uh, he's not doing
1: anything. That's a bum. I, um, I saw uh, the first like 15 minutes of that movie on a plane. And I thought that it was a misdirect. I thought that he was going to come back.
0: Oh, I'm sorry if I spoiled that for you. (laughs) No, so he's gone. He's gone. That's it. And it's weird That. that like. It, you know what? I It must have been the third movie because that one was directed by J.J. Abrams. So it must have been him being like, oh, hey, I like Josh Holloway. I'll put him into this. But, you know, it, it, we should, you know, we should get a bit more than that. What a bummer. Yeah. I know there was there was talk for a long time that uh, he was going to play Roland in the Dark Tower adaptation by Stephen King. I think it was mostly just because he had a southern accent and he was really tall. But I, I would have really liked to have seen that. Instead of the the horrendous adaptation we got. Anyway, tangent. We get back to Locke and Jack in the jungle. There's a great moment between them. I think this is the first real conversation between uh, Jack and Locke. Won't be the last. And we come to my second favorite pronunciation of the episode. Where Terry O'Quinn says, meat and potatoes. just him saying, "I'm I'm I'm a simple guy, Jack. Meat and potatoes. And he says, I don't believe in magic. But this place, quote-unquote, is different. He says, "If what if everything that happens here happens for a reason? He says he looked into the eye of the island, which I'm assuming he means he saw the smoke monster and said that it was beautiful. And he says that Jack needs to find his white rabbit to be, become the leader who knows where he's going. It's a great dialogue between them where he asks Jack— well, if I told you that I was seeing this stuff, what would you tell me? And Jack gives him a perfect diagnosis that I, you're dehydrated, you're not sleeping enough, you're in post-traumatic stress. Locke says, exactly. So maybe you're hallucinating, but maybe you're hallucinating for a reason. Basically acting as as Jack's shaman. And I love it. I love it. This is when like the episode started to just tip all the way over into, into awesome for me, where I, I see this, this moment happen between them. I see Locke being super cool and understanding and not wanting to be the leader, wanting, like, seeing that everybody looks to Jack as the leader and trying to help him become the man that he needs to be because Locke believes that he's already become the man that he needs to be.
1: That's, um, no, it's funny because I do, I agree. I I, I think it's a really fun scene. It just like, it carries so much more weight knowing that this is like, yeah, it's like the first real scene between the two of them. And we know that they, it will be a very different sequence at the end of the series between the two of them. Something I will say now, like knowing where, you know, Locke's journey goes. Locke sitting there and saying that the island is magic and it's beautiful. The same day that a woman just drowned.
0: Yeah, I was like. You That's a red flag. Know, that is a good point. That is a good point. Uh, and it also, you know, speaking of which, I meant to mention before, that also kind of pokes holes in my idea that this was purgatory from the start. Because then the question is, what was Joanne's point in purgatory? She was just meant to, to was she really just here to help Jack self-actualize himself? Is is that is that her journey? Is is did she did she come? No, you make an excellent point. Uh, Locke is, is looking on the bright side here of a very dark situation. The other thing, too, that, uh, again, just like in hindsight, whoo,
1: a little on the nose, is when Jack's like, I think I'm going crazy. And he's like, well, no, you, you're aware of that, so that means you're not going crazy. Crazy people, they think they're getting more sane. And I'm like, that's literally Locke. <laughs> he, he thinks that he has found the answer to everything. Yep. And yep. he thinks he's like, yeah, yeah, you could be hallucinating. But what if you're not? And it's like you, <laughs> are you're. you're uh, uh. <laughs> uh, but again, I it's not that I I think that's a great scene, and I think especially knowing where it goes, I yeah. think that it's all the more like this is really cool. No, like, I don't. I don't
0: know that the Jack and Locke will ever be as friendly to each other as they are in this in this scene, in for like the rest of the series.
1: Yeah. Because I, I mean, by the time they find the hatch, I mean, isn't that
0: like they're ready to kill each other? <laughs> yeah, because that's right. Because Jack sets out looking for Locke to find out what happens to Boone. I that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, about that. yeah. And Locke just disappears. You know, you to make me wonder though about this purgatory thing about uh, her? I mean,
1: maybe she saw. I don't know. No, I, I
0: can't. <laughs> I, or that we find out that Joanne wasn't even supposed to be there that day because uh, <laughs> she got an ear. She had an ear infection. Uh, while well, she was scuba diving and got bumped onto their flight. And, uh, sorry, Joanne. Sorry it ended this way.
1: Maybe the smoke monster
0: led her to go further in the water. <laughs> but he can't even leave the island, so what am I saying? Anyway. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that, we have to, that we'll, we'll talk about later on. Did you hear Mira again? She's croning. Um, <laughs> where we find out that Smokey can't go on the water. And then smoky lock falls in the water in a, in a season 6 episode I have, we're not we're not anywhere near there so i'm not i'm just going to drop that <laughs> so jack stays in the jungle and lights a fire we get to the next flashback where jack is told that christian died of an alcohol induced heart attack basically he identifies him and great great sad acting from from jack i'm being 100% sincere his Face and him just crumbling and seeing his dad. And this is where I want to talk about. You mentioned at the top that you don't really understand how Jack could cry over somebody who he clearly had a complex relationship with at best. For me, all of the things we've seen so far, the talking to that Christian gives him in the beginning, the tense conversation he has with his mother where he really doesn't want to go after his dad. It's all leading to Jack tracking down his dad who he already suspects is dead and realizing he's he's never going to talk to his dad again and seeing that he's that he's truly dead. He's he's in that bag. He's on a slab. You think about Christian telling his son at the beginning to disassociate himself, to disconnect, to not make a choice, to, to not feel those emotions because he won't be able to take it because he don't have what it takes. You see someone who. Clearly loved his father, even though the love that he received in return may have been little to non-existent. Somebody who we know is a strong person, who has a strong character, who has been heroic, who has saved lives, who doesn't hesitate to jump in the water to rescue somebody. You see him just break down over somebody who, who treated him, it looks like, like garbage. And it's, it's, it's powerful to see. It's, it's fantastic acting for Matthew Fox. I have to, I have to give it to him.
1: No, that's a great point. And, you know, I guess that is something too that I don't quite consider, uh, maybe because, you know, no one I've hated is, has died, as far as I know. <laughs> um, but I, um, but yeah, like, there's definitely those moments where like people who I do know who have died, you know, like you have those moments where it's like, Shoot, I wish I had told them about this thing. They would have thought that was hilarious. And realizing it's like, oh, because they're dead. And so I i guess I could imagine too that yeah, like even if they had a complicated relationship, yeah, realizing, and that's the end. Yeah, like, uh, I yeah, I can I can get sentimental about that.
0: In a way, it reminds me of and this ep, and Mad Men came after Lost. I'm pretty sure, or at least overlapped with the later episodes. There is an episode of Mad Men where Roger loses his mom. I think it's in the second or third season maybe. His his mom dies and the whole episode he talks about that he he doesn't he hasn't cried that he hasn't he just doesn't feel the need to. And then at the very end of the episode he finds out that the guy that he would get shoe shines from every week has died and left him his shoe shine box and Roger just breaks down in tears and he's just, just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, that whole, that'll, that show is incredible, uh, from start to finish, but it, it's interesting in that, in that show, you see that whether it's because Roger has been holding in and internalizing the feelings about his mother and this has suddenly broken him, or really he's crying because somebody that he knew somebody that he really interacted with from day to day, somebody who had a real relationship with who was not his mom is gone and will never be there again. And that it, you can see it in his face and the way that he reacts where it just, it all just suddenly hits him and he just breaks. And that's why he breaks down because it's, it's gone when you when somebody has gone, they're gone. It's no more conversations with them. There's no more, you don't get to argue with them. You don't get to forgive them. They don't get to forgive you. It's just over it's a powerful moment and it's it's it continues to be a powerful moment when jack goes into the cave finds the coffin and just beats the living shit out of that coffin for the for the listeners my 3 year old was watching this scene with me and when he starts breaking the coffin she's asking like why he doesn't like it and <laughs> i was just struggling to to explain it and just, it's this cathartic thing where you have that scene where he's talking, he's talking in the airport and saying, like, let me, let me end this. Let me bring it to a close. And his dad's not even in there. And he's just, you just see him. It's, he's had his cry and now he just needs to just expend that, that rage at everything that's happened. I, uh, I love that. I loved it so much.
1: I did like that he he calls... I forget what the receptionist name is,
0: but I do like that he's like, can, can I level with you Trixie or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> and he yells, like that yell, he's just like, no! Uh, fun fact, uh, that airport, which we will see many, many, many more times and many, many more flashbacks throughout the series, uh, is not an airport. I think it's a... It's it's either a hotel or it's a um, a civic center or a convention uh. center. And when... I and some friends went to Oahu. The summer after my freshman year of college, we went there when it was closed. But it was the building. A friend of mine named David was an even bigger Lost fan than I was, and he was like, "This is the building!" And remember, we it was all locked up because it was very late at night. Uh, but we we looked in and we peeked in. We saw the all those uh, the escalator, and it was it was very it was very cool, like being like touching a piece of Lost, like being there and seeing that, so I just wanted to share that. It's awesome. Oh, he also finds a shipment of dolls. I don't remember yeah. those dolls end up being... Uh... I,
1: I think they're go- going with the Alice in Wonderland. She's in the water through the looking glass. So... Uh, I like that. And, then uh, and, and finds... Jack finds... Yes. And Jack finds water. And he just destroyed the coffin with a croquet... mat no, i uh... <laughs>
0: If David Lindelof was writing the episode, that's absolutely what he would do. <laughs> Maybe he did. I mean, the episode. I was
1: expecting—I was expecting Locke to bust out a pipe, you know, and just start going like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> Who are
0: you." So we find out Boone took the water. Actually, and, you
1: know what? And Charlie and Hurley kind of make a good Tweedledee, Tweedledum in that. Instance.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, sorry, too far, too far. All right. So we follow this to its inevitable conclusion. So Boone—we find out Boone took the water. Everybody starts surrounding him. It looks like they're going to tear him apart. And in a nice callback to the beginning, Jack interrupts them from beating him up. And this time, Jack stops it from happening. This time, Jack accepts his role as a leader. He levels with everyone and says, what if nobody comes? We've got to rely on each other. It's time to start organizing. We have to learn to survive. Everyone needs to find a way to contribute. And the immortal line, if we can't live together, we're going to die alone. And this becomes a fundamental moment for our survivors. This I remember they they call back to this speech a lot. Specifically the uh, live together die alone thing. And it's it's very much Jack coming into his own and accepting like I don't I don't want to be the leader but I will be the leader. I will I'll be this guy. The the music that's playing here at the end is a theme that I know they use throughout the series. I don't remember if it's been used yet, but it's one of my favorite ones. It's a very it's a very beautiful the uh we have Jack telling Kate that his father died, and he seems to have made some kind of peace with it. And and once once again, this is uh, this is this is the Jack I remember. This is the the version of Jack. I, I think of most clearly the one who reluctantly accepts his his leadership amongst amongst the the Sox.
1: I love the speech. I, I thought it was great, and yeah, it does have. If again, if going back to Christian Shepherd's thing, if what he was trying to say, which and again, it, it really is not super clear. Although he's also <laughs> drunk, so maybe that's part of it. But you know, if what he was trying to say is, it's like you know, don't do anything because. You're going to want to do it perfectly. And if you can't be perfect, you're going to fall to pieces, which like, mm-hmm. again, is a sentiment I agree with. Yeah. But the way he went about it, <laughs> it is like, it also actually reminded me, I remember uh, from an Australian, no less, I don't know if this is intentional, but they, in Australia, the the phrase is practice makes progress. Hmm. Uh, instead of in America where it's practice makes perfect. And uh, I think that's a very Useful distinction. I do like the Jack speech. Like, it's like, he does, like, lay on some heavy, like, hey, we might not get rescued. Like, yeah. like and for anyone else, it'd be like, and panic. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he he brings it back to, like, it's like so let's work together.
0: But how do you feel about
1: the episode? Still a C-plus? Yeah, I don't know. I, I will say, <laughs> there's, I think it's just because, and, you know, maybe this is, like, just something that, in hindsight, I'm only saying, because I, I think I mentioned this in our pre- Review, view before we even watch the, rewatch the pilot. Mm-hmm. But I remembered season one, being like, oh, every season was just like that. Um, I never would have gotten annoyed by the show, and I really didn't like season two. I'm realizing I think season two does a lot more character deep, like why they behave this way. Whereas like, yeah, at least at the moment, I think Locke's episode obviously really showed his who this guy is. Like again, mm-hmm. it showed what he does in his free time, what he does for work. And, and oh yeah, what his hopes and dreams, you know, like it really like gave you an idea, a very like panoramic view of him. But Jackson and Cates have both just been like, here's what they were doing in Australia.
0: Yeah, I think these these early flashbacks are meant to convey things about the character that we, they're meant to show us things about the character instead of tell us things about the character. You make a good point that, I think later on, sometimes it, it does feel like, okay, now it's a Saeed episode. Now it's a Claire episode. Not, It's not really filling in details for us that we that we can't figure out. It's more yeah. like, this is how the show goes, so here's the flashback of the week.
1: But yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Yeah, it is. it is Because uh, yeah, I guess I just the other thing. Is that I know that Jax was on that plane. But I guess also the reality is maybe I needed to separate more... What I know. Cause yeah, maybe that would have been like a big village. like, wait, this dude was on the plane. Cause he was just trying to go to a funeral. <laughs> um, may, maybe, maybe a B I'll give it, I'll give it a B. I would say, cause you know what? I actually, I think it's probably stronger than Kate's episode. When I think about it like that, I will say too, though, I know we mentioned this last episode, but this was another one where, yeah, it felt like they were playing with the idea that the flashback that they show you is what, they're thinking of
0: when it definitely seems that way, because even that very first one where Charlie is running and screaming for Jack and Jack really is again, you know, he hasn't slept. You know, we we know he's stressed out, but Jack's really just he's just a million miles away in his mind. he He doesn't even know that Charlie's there.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting, too, because like Charlie very much kind of looks like an older version of the bully because <laughs> he's also <laughs> got the, the torn-off sleeves at that point. Because <laughs> I do that, where like something I'll see and I'll be like, oh, yeah. And then I'll think about a memory and I'll be like, wait, what What am I, what? A <laughs> <Like>, uh, <laughs> uh, question I had on here was just, what the fuck is Jack's mom's problem? <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> she, yeah, there's... Like I said, before he says mom, like specifically addresses her as mom, that woman does not exude any maternal energy whatsoever. It would have made more sense. Like, again, it was very limited screen time that she had. So, you know, you can't do much more than that. But she acts like she's, you know, maybe somebody that Christian married after Jack had grown up and like doesn't particularly like him. But he calls her mom. So she's his mom. So, you know, whether whether she's a stepmom or not, it's they are close enough for Jack to call her mom. So that means that he's getting it from from both ends as as a kid. I she comes up. She's so
1: mean. Yeah. And again, I I also I'm in the same boat as you where like, I don't know if she is in any other episodes. Um, I don't I certainly didn't
0: remember. I bet she shows up in like a. Like when Jack gets divorced, like I bet she shows up to say what a, what a piece of shit he is.
1: I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: no, she, but yeah, she was just awful. Yeah. Uh,
1: I... <laughs> yeah. But like you said, both ends just, uh.
0: And the age isn't quite right. Cause like she's older than Matthew Fox, but. I don't know. I, she didn't seem that much older. She seemed like maybe 10 years tops. I mean, maybe I maybe I didn't get a good look at her. I don't know. I it just seemed wrong. Like that the the energy seemed wrong. The 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 the, the character seemed I it, it it seemed very off.
1: Yeah, it was weird. Last two things that I wanted to know. One of them is a bit of a a tangent, but I really like it. But before I get to that one, I started thinking about this more when I was reflecting on Charlie, I do think that there is something sincere and a good arc in him and Claire, given that this is like their first real connection. Like, obviously, I know he carried her luggage and asked if she had a boyfriend, but this is the one where she says, I think people won't look me in the eye because they know that I'm a bunch of responsibility. Uh, And I feel like that is literally the opposite of cowardice is responsibility (laughs) um and like charlie's like yeah i i see you i got this and i i'm like that is neat that yeah it's like what is something that people run away from versus the thing that's like an anchor it didn't feel creepy or gross it it felt it felt like that was a a good fit
0: yeah he he likes her being pregnant is is not off-putting to him and he sees that she's Having a rough time, and he just wants to make her feel better. It's very sweet.
1: Was there anything on your end that you didn't have a chance to talk about? No,
0: I think I got to just gush about how great I thought this episode was. I just some some really great cry acting from Matthew Fox, which again I can't say that and and not sound insincere. I really do mean it. I think that uh, <laughs> it was he really delivered this episode, and um, I feel like I say this every episode, but I tend to—I I feel like I've started, like, most of the previous episodes, you know, starting off watching it and being like, oh, you know, this isn't—doesn't quite hold up to modern shows. And then by the end of the episode, I'm always riveted. And I'm like, I want to see the next one. I I really like this show. And Yeah. Uh, well, that's why even my initial C-plus standing, like, I'm like, this is
1: still better than most things I watch. <laughs> like, Well, it's not even—I don't necessarily think it's a bad— I mean, again, it's kind of like how I felt a little—not to the same degree, because obviously I, I think the reward at the end of Locke's episode is s- so much sweeter. But like the, that, like mixed feeling of like, oh, there's a couple things that they did that I aren't going to amount to anything. <laughs> but um, lost, but yeah, it's better than most things. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing too. I guess being older. Um, I remembered all these people looking like I remember like Locke or Terry O'Quinn, I guess, looking like a grandpa, and <laughs> now watching, and being like, no, he's he's like a relatively young dude. Like I, <laughs> I I don't know. It's like it's definitely like a a shift where it's like, oh yeah, these guys they all look they're so young.
0: Yeah, I I watched. It's a it's a it's a terrible thing getting older because. It used to be watching these shows, you'd be like, OK, well, all these actors have at least five, 10 years on me, even the, the young looking ones. And now I watch shows and it was like, all these actors are easily 10, 20 years younger than me. That's I'm not even going to look it up. I just I don't want to depress myself. <laughs> like, I would bet you anything. Claire is younger than tw- the actress who plays Claire is younger than 25 in this show. And Kate, too, is probably in her like mid 20s, if that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure you're right. <laughs> It's <laughs> we do get a little bit uh, this is completely unrelated, but a little bit of Matthew Fox's uh, crazy arm swinging run that he does in this episode where like, oh yeah, I don't know how big Matthew Fox is. He looks big on camera, and it seems like when he runs that his arms are like twice the length of a normal person's arms because he always like just pumps them like right in the air. It's a funny, I don't know, it's a funny run. no,
1: i I know exactly what you're talking about. That's <laughs> right.